Dave Onestead hanging out with Mully and Ha on 670 The Score. Mully and Ha, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. It's always a delight to have Coach Wanstead with us, and he has a special guest joining us now on the Score Hotline, brought to you by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas. Hey, Jimmy. Well, hey, how's everybody <laughs> doing this morning? Well, I, when these guys asked if uh, there'd be any chance you could jump on, I says, well, let me check the weather in Miami. <laughs> well, well, Dave, in all honesty, uh, the boat is loaded. I've got the ice and the cold ones on it right now. And as soon as I get off this phone, I'm starting the engines and I'm going offshore. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Well, we, everybody here in Chicago, appreciate you jumping on, taking a few minutes. Maybe start this thing off. You know, the obviously the, the buzz around the country and Chicago is the big trade with the Bears. What's, what's your initial thought there, Jimmy? Well, I, I think, you know, really it can be beneficial for both Carolina and Chicago. And as I've said for years, uh, really, you know, getting a bunch of picks, you know, it's great. But, you know, a lot of teams have gotten picks over the years. Uh, back when Eric Dickerson was trading from the Rams, they got a ton of picks. Uh, RG3, uh, as far as Washington, you know, when they traded for him, teams have gotten picks over the year. Cleveland Browns, you know, they've had number one picks forever. And and so it's not the picks, it's what you do with the picks. And as long as Chicago is able to use those picks and pick the right players, it is a great trade for Chicago. Now, you know, by the same token, uh, you look at Carolina, you know, if, if they don't pick the right quarterback, you know, it's a bad trade for them. They've got to pick the right quarterback. So, you know, I, I think it can be beneficial for both teams. It just depends on how they use those picks. Well, I got to tell you, Jimmy, when I see the Bears trade the number one overall pick, I immediately go to the value chart that you created low those many years ago. And did they do okay? Did they do okay? How much did DJ Moore account for? How do I how do I deal with him on the value chart? Tell us a little bit about the way you invented that, the need for it, and and it, are you even amazed? It's been tweaked a little, but it's still used. It's still a very essential part. It's amazing. I have general managers call me all the time about, hey, I used your chart. You know, <laughs> Brett Veach of Kansas City called. Uh, Ozzie Newsom called. Hey, I used your chart. I used your chart. I said, please, I did that chart 30 years ago. <laughs> yeah. you know, but, but every team has a chart, and the basis uh, is still the one that I designed 30 years ago. Now, a few of them have adjusted for the salary cap, et cetera, but you know, the hard line chart, you know, it, it's really got to be pick for pick. Uh, and in that same year, if you have a future pick, you I usually knocked it down about a round, depending on if, how high it was. If it was a first round, then you got to adjust to where they were going to be in the first round. As far as DJ Moore, you, you've got to look and see what is his value. And, and really the only team that knows that is Carolina, because I'm sure teams were calling Carolina Hey, we'll give you this for DJ Moore. Hey, we'll give you a two. We'll give you a, a three going to a two, et cetera. So they know the value of him. Um, and so, you know, Chicago's got to say, hey, what's he worth to us? You know, what is he worth to our football team? And that's the value you will put on that uh, that particular pick. But, Jimmy. you know, how we, how, we, how we came up with this chart, my first year in Dallas, it was Dave. 
uh, we thought we did pretty good. You know, I, you know, I, we took uh, four Pro Bowlers with the first four picks. You know, Troy Aikman, <laughs> Harold Johnston, uh, Mark Stepnoski, and Tony Tolbert. You know, one, two, three, four in the four rounds. But you know, I, I went to Jerry. I said, Jerry, I'm really, I, I, I think we did pretty good. But I'm just shooting from the hip. You know, I, I was picking players that we knew about when we were in college. And I said, there's a better way to do it. I said, if you'll take go with the, the 10 years before now, for the last 10 years, take every single trade that was made in the NFL, pick for pick, and you can we can design a bar graph there or a line graph, and we can put in arbitrarily numbers all the way from the first pick to the last pick. And that way we'll see if we are getting good value or if it's a bad trade. And so I designed the chart, and that chart worked great, you know, for a while. And then Dave goes to Chicago, and Norv goes to Washington, and they take my chart with them. <laughs> so, so Jimmy, when you're looking at what the Bears gave up in the in the trade, and they, how would you evaluate and weigh DJ Moore and a future 2025 second round pick versus? having that be a first-round pick. Did the Bears benefit by getting the player involved, or is that difficult to measure because, you know, you're, t- you're talking about the difference in, in a future 2025 20, first and second-round pick? Well, I, I, I think they got value with Moore. I think he's really an excellent player. And, and so I think they got good value there. I don't know if you want to put a, a second-round pick on him or, or what, but he's a very good player. Now, the other thing you've got to take into – account is his contract you know how is that going to affect chicago how is that affecting carolina did they think they were going to be able to resign him etc and and so but i thought you know i think he's a very good player and so for him to be in the mix on the trade i, I think was beneficial for chicago you know all the way and and and, and let's be honest about it you know with chicago you know we think justin fields is going to be the guy and if you design the right kind of offense around justin fields uh, then, you know, it's going to be like Jalen Hurts. You know, he's going to be productive. Hey, J- um, hey Jimmy. The yeah. token, they've, got a, they've got a cushion now, you know, uh, in case it doesn't work. You know, J- Jimmy, they're sitting there at nine now, and the big need for the Bears is is linemen. You know, the offense and defensive linemen primarily. Uh, they were all excited. You know, the word here was Jalen Carter, the big kid at Georgia. He was going to be their guy. Uh, if they had, if they had to sit at one, and then you know, obviously the 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 some of the legal stuff. Hopefully, he's beyond that. Sitting at nine, t- talk a, if you could. You know, would how aggressive would you be with that ninth pick? And we and I I sat there with you. I mean, I know how aggressive you like to be with your picks and trades. You know, would would you be? Would would you still be aggressive in moving up, moving down to get the guy you want? What's your thoughts there? Well, yeah, you know, teams have come down here over the years, and, and they ask me about, you know, about drafting. And, you know, you know, a half a dozen of them said the best thing I ever told them was I would take three players in, in every round that I really wanted them. I wanted, they were my kind of guys. You know, they, they were players that are going to help our football team. Uh, you know, forget about this best player available bull crap. You know, I, I, you'll get players that are going to help your team. <laughs> And so I would have I would have three players in every round, and you can figure out who's going to take you. You know, talk to the beat writers from other teams. You know, you can get the scuttle about who teams are looking for. And you know, when it came close to our pick, you know, if you know two or two or one of those players is available, I would take them. 
If they weren't, I would move out of the pick. You know, I didn't ever take the philosophy to take the best player available. Uh, because I wanted to take the best player available that I wanted. You know, you, 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 you talk about moving out of the picks. What, I mean, I, I got stories. I mean, obviously, we had them in, in the book. I mean, what, what was a good one when you're on the clock story? What, 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 uh, what comes to mind that uh, I've got a couple, but what, what's, uh, what's, what one jumps out at you that, you know, I don't think people realize the pressure that to, for you to make a decision, you know, when you're on the clock, well, let's talk about that. Well, of course, I, I, I had direct dialed every team uh, on every trader, you know, when we were going through the draft, which every team does now. And, but back then they didn't, you know, I didn't have to dial it. You know? Right. And so anyway, so we got to moving and we, we had a first round pick uh, and I don't like to take offensive linemen or wide receivers. Uh, with, you know, with the first pick. Now, with the passing game, how it's been elevated, uh, the receivers have moved up in their value. But we were looking, and I wanted to trade out of the pick. And so I I got Joe Gibbs on, on the line with Washington. I said, Joe, I said, you know, I'm going to trade out. Let's swap, you know, swap number ones, and and uh, you can give me back this and everything else. And we talked back and forth. He said, okay, got a deal. So it's getting close to that pick. And I called Robert Blackwell, who was our guy in New York at the draft. I said, is Washington, you know, taking their, you know, their ticket up to the desk? He said, no, there's no movement. <laughs> I said, Jesus, we're running out of time. I said, I got to get out of this pick. I don't want to take, you know, the, the best player available. I, I want to move down. And, you know, the talk, clock is ticking. I called Robert, Robert, you know, well, what? go talk to him. Whatever. They said, hey, they hadn't got a call from Joe, da, 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 da. So I called Joe. I said, what the hell's going on? Get, you know, get the ticket in. I'm going to just make the trade. He says, he says, Jimmy, I'm sorry. He said, I have to get back with you later. The old man won't let me do it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so we ended up taking Alvin Harper, <laughs> who ended up being a good player for us. But I, I could have got Alvin a little bit later in the draft. <laughs> you know, uh, Jimmy, I think when we look at this particular trade that the Bears made, you know, we're wondering – Man, that's awful early, right? It's uh, seven weeks before uh, you have to make that deal, and they make it. It's obvious that D.J. Moore was the big part of it because they needed help for fields. There was nobody in free agency. And you mentioned the salary. He will average $17.4 million over the next three years. He makes $20 million this year, and then 16 the next two. We'll find out if that deal holds up or if he wants more money, if he does well. Who knows? But the fact is, there is certainty with him in cost, which is relatively inexpensive compared to how crazy that market's gotten. And he'll have 34 games played by the time you get to that uh, that that first round pick that ends up being a second in 2025. So you have to kind of balance that, I would imagine. Yeah, I, you know, you're going to get use of the player, you know, and. Not only use of the player, you know, it's not going to be a rookie that you're going to have to teach a lot. Uh, I mean, that's why I say the DJ Moore thing uh, is a big part of that trade. And, you know, he's, you know, there's, you know, who knows, you know, people would have given him one maybe at one time, you know, for him, you know, so, and especially with a, a good contract. So, yeah, that's a big part of the trade, you know, getting to use the player, you know, rather than having a pick that may or may not hit and, uh, the other thing is, you know, uh, it, you know it's going to take them a while to develop. So, yeah, it, that's a big part of the trade without question. So, Jimmy, they're in a 
position to make that deal only because they believe in Justin Fields. They don't move out of the number one overall selection spot unless you believe in the quarterback you have. Is that a wise decision in your mind? What do you think of Justin Fields? Well, I, I like Justin Fields. Uh, there, there are two things here, though. Um, I don't think there's a slam dunk uh, in the quarterback uh, crop this year. Now, I think there's there's about four of them that are very intriguing and that they got possibilities, and they may end up being great Hall of Famers. Who knows? You know, but you know, are you happy with the size of Bryce Young? Uh, are you happy with the inconsistency and the inaccuracies of Richardson? You got, you know, you know, you so you really don't know about some of these quarterbacks, and and I think that's the same thing with Carolina. Um, there's not a slam duck number one. Uh, you got to pick the right guy. But I think with Chicago, you know, when you talk about their situation, they've got to find out if Justin Fields is the guy. And so they've got a cushion there. They've got some picks. Now they can move around. They're going to get some calls uh, for next year's number one for a pick. And, and so they're going to be able to bank some of these picks and maybe not even use picks this year but have them for next year. And who knows a year from now, they might be looking at a quarterback. And and again, that's, you know, who knows about Justin Fields? I I think most everybody feels like he's a franchise guy and to make him a franchise guy, but they do have a little bit of a cushion there uh, next year. And, you know, you know, thereafter, as far as picking a quarterback. Hey, Hey, Jimmy, we'll kind of wrap this up here. You know, you mentioned picking offensive linemen. Well, every time Tony comes up here to visit me, he Tony comes in here with, and he gets on the show with Molly and Hall. Now, all he wants to talk about here is hockey. You know, Chicago big hockey. Oh, yeah. I right. mean, so, and I still, we laugh about the story when Jimmy, we're sitting in the draft room and, and we're down there late in the rounds and Jimmy says, boy, we, have, we, we need to take an offensive lineman. And it was the, just at the time when they brought lunch out. So, so, so Jimmy says, "Hey, grab Tony. Let's get a lineman." So, so I we uh, hey Tony, and he comes around the corner, and he's got mayonnaise on his chin, oh, yeah. and and Jimmy says, "Oh hell, forget about it." And I think that's when you took, I think that maybe when you took Leon Lett next or something like that. <laughs> I, 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 I don't want to take up all your time, but I got to tell a Tony story. You know, first of all. You know, Tony coached what a lot of people, you know, graded as maybe one of the best offensive lines in, in history. And and you look at it, we had uh, we had a third-round pick from Central Ohio at right tackle. Uh, we had a seventh-round pick, you know, Gogan at right guard. We, we had a third-round pick, Sebnowski at center. We had an undrafted free agent at left uh, guard, Nate Newton. And yep. we had an undrafted – a defensive player from Hawaii, uh, free agent at left tackle two and eight. So you look at it. You had a couple of third round picks. Uh, you had a seventh round pick. And you had a, a couple of undrafted free agents, and they were one of the greatest offensive lines in NFL history. I, and Howie Long and Michael Strahan get mad at me when I say this. Offensive line—that's the one position that the coach is more and more valuable than the players. And uh, because if you've got a great offensive line coach, which Tony Wise was, you know, he can develop some of those players. Just like taking Sebnowski. Sebnowski was a 245-pound guard. I said, Tony, can you make him into a center? He said, Coach, I can make him into a center. He had never played center before in his life. We moved him to center. He ends up being a pro bowler for us. 
And so the offensive line coach is a heck of a lot more important than taking an offensive lineman with the ninth pick. Jimmy, that is fantastic information. We really appreciate you jumping on. I know you got a book out, Swagger, Super Bowls, Brass Balls, and Footballs. It's a <laughs> memoir and a, and a classic one. How are the sales going? Yeah, the book has been great. You know, I, I figured if, if you're in the, the College Football Hall of Fame, the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and the Broadcasting Hall of Fame, <laughs> you ought to write a book called Swagger. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Great I got title. A, I got a copy of it, Jimmy. I'm going to give it to Dave and have you I got. I, How's that? Oh, there you yeah, go. We'll get it signed. Yeah. Jimmy will take care Jimmy, of it. Jimmy, you're the best. <laughs> Thanks, Jimmy. Thank you a ton. All right, Jimmy. Enjoy talking with you guys. I'm going to go catch me a fish. <laughs> Good a luck. Life, Great huh? stuff. How about that? That's Jimmy Johnson, Dave. That is the life. That's fantastic stuff. Thank you, Dave. I, I, I Thanks a ton. I love what he said about it, what he wanted his guys. Like, he wanted his guys. I, I remember, I think we've talked about the story of uh, of Charles Haley, and, and they were going to sign, you guys were going to sign him, and someone told Jimmy, the guy's half whacked. Like he, they lost a game and he cleared out the locker room and he curled up in a ball and started weeping. And Jimmy said, let's go get him. That's the kind of guy I want. Like, you, you know, he recognizes game recognizes game, I guess. Yeah. And it's, it was, it's the intangibles, you know, we would talk to coaches and, and uh, you know, the practice habits, the meeting habits, you know, I mean, all those things, you know, the things we're talking about was signing free agents right now, and I said earlier, the guy's banged up. Will he play when right. when he's hurt? You know, right. uh, all, all those intangible things. When Jimmy says he would, that's my type of guy. Well, that he's he's including all those things in that final decision. Yes, he's my type of guy because all these boxes get checked. I also think he revealed something that, and you can speak to this better than I could. I think you find any coach, maybe old school coach, whatever, that believes what he said about the offensive line, that sometimes every position coach thinks that the coach is more important than the player or can be. Don't you have to approach it that way to think that no matter what your group is, no matter what, how much talent they may have collectively, that you as a coach can make them better and can make the bigger impact? Oh, absolutely. You know, and, and you need to, and I think that happens – I think the one thing that's changed a little bit, and he he referenced Michael and Howie because they're defensive guys, mm -hmm. you know, but uh, I think what's changed a little bit is offensive line, the limited time, they need to be developed, and that's exactly right. what Jimmy's talking about. We, we have a first-rounder on the whole line and, you know, and on and on that with limited full-time in pads, limited live contact. It's very difficult for an offensive lineman to improve unless he has the pads on and he's practicing what he's going to have to do in the game where receivers can run routes, quarterbacks can throw balls, defensive backs can point. cover guys. Yeah. You know, but the limited practice time, and when I say practice time, I'm not talking about standing out there with just helmets on and jerseys. I'm talking about football equipment on and coming off the ball and blocking those times have changed a little bit, which I think it does, you know, and Jimmy mentioned throwing the ball. So you combine that with offenses, throwing the ball more. I think it has put more value on the offensive lineman today, drafting them and talent than it was 
15, 20 years ago. Yeah, the the offensive line is the team within a team, and everybody kind of has to operate at once. But nowadays, you I mean, you're limited in your practice time. You don't get the hit at all. Nope. And you don't get used to whatever kind of combination blocks you need to use offense. And, and then look at the offensive coordinators. And I go back to the – I remember Denver was one of the first games right. I remember watching on – they're down on the goal line. They're in shotgun. Right. Yeah. Well, the Bears yeah. did that earlier. Remember when we got oh, stuck with yeah. Justin Fields and we talked about it. They were in the shotgun and they're trying to run quarterback power and and everybody gets knocked in the backfield and Justin Fields had no chance. And then that was the end of it. And then the rest of the time he was up under center and he was running quarterback sneaks or handing it off from under center. Yeah. That's what you need to do if you need to make a yard. They need to learn the tush push. Well, put that in, too. Yeah, if it's legal, put it in. Yeah, well, apparently it's going to be legal, It's going to be legal. I don't see that rule changing. Absolutely nothing. Apparently, and it's interesting, there's not, like, the ownership, they couldn't get 24 votes, so it's not even going to come up for vote. I think they're in uh, Florida for the owners' meetings, and it's not even going to be contemplated. Well, uh, a part I heard of this is, okay, when are they going to limit you? We've all seen the tight end catch the ball over the middle. And he's fighting to get that first down, and an offensive lineman comes running down the field, right. and he pushes him. He yes. hits the pile. Yes. He's kind of trying to block somebody, but he ends up knocking the tight end. That's where the fine line is. Okay, when can a guy push a guy? When can you know? What I mean, that right? T- That's so, supposed to be illegal. Yeah. Well, it's 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 no it's different not, than the push. Yeah. You know, I don't You're know. Right. Very good stuff, good Dave. Stuff, thank Dave. you. Great, okay, guys. Great, Thanks so great, much. Uh, really appreciate Love you getting that. Jimmy, too. That was a ton of fun. It's Mully and Haw at Chicago Sports Radio 6-7 to score. The Tush Push. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Selling a little or a lot? (coughs) Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast 
Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Forget about this best player available bull crap. Molly and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio 6-7 of the score. That was a sincere comment by Jimmy, and I really appreciated it. We had a couple texters that uh, didn't like that uh, he said that. Well, because... you know what? Oh, I, it surprised me, and that was a lot of fun, by oh, the that way. Was that so was a much great fun. interview and great for, for Dave to set that up. Yeah. But when somebody who has had as much success drafting as Jimmy Johnson has, if somebody who has the patent to the draft value board, like he does. Incredible. If he wants to approach the draft that way and he says that's the right way to approach it, you're not going to argue. No, he, he – You're not going to argue I, at I all. I got to tell you, like, you want your players. It's not the best player available. It's your best player available. Well, the guy that fits your criteria. And and Jimmy has a very expressed knowledge of, of what kind of player he wants. I don't think we'll ever see anyone come in and handle a draft – and build a Super Bowl team in the way that Jimmy did. Because, think about it, they were coming out of Miami, they were flying high. They they knew, they had recruited every good player in the country. So if there was a guy that they didn't get, they knew everything they needed to know about the guy. And they they had all this information that they had gathered, all of those coaches that he that he moved with, and they get to they get to Dallas. And and you know they don't have talent. So how are you? Go- what are you going to do? And you heard him rattle off his draft. That's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. The success he had in the draft. Incredible. And what's the name of his uh, book? His memoir, Swagger. That's so right. That's somebody right. who operates that way is looking for a certain type. So you go into the draft, and you're right. He what he's saying is essentially my way was the right way. I don't care what everyone else does because frankly, Mully, when he said that. Both of us realize that he's saying something that probably 75%, three out of every four executives who draft probably don't agree with. Don't you think that it's probably that much of a consensus yes. or majority that they're always going to take best player available? Who's at the top of your draft board? What, he, what Jimmy Johnson is saying is that not everybody is for me. Well, not everybody I, is for us. And, and here's the thing. Like, you know, and I don't want to diss a profession, but there are a lot of scouts out there that are what is called phone scouts. So you hire these guys to evaluate all these players and they travel together and they're kind of, there's a pack mentality. And oftentimes guys are, Hey, I think, I think this guy is this. What do you think? Yeah, that guy is that. So you come up with more of a consensus type of uh, pick for, for different players, a, a consensus type of scouting. 
because you want to make sure that you're not the one who's wrong. You want to make sure it is hard to get people to give their their if you find people that can give you their opinion, this guy is good because of this. I don't like that guy because of this and they can they can pick that apart without fear. There's a lot of fear involved no in all doubt about it. Self-preservation. Yes. You want to avoid groupthink if you can exactly. at any cost. And that's difficult to do because of the need to belong and and the desire to preserve your job. So yeah. you very you want rarely... to check with your buddy who you trust. Hey, yeah. I like this guy. What do you think? It's oh, in every profession, it? though. That's what I'm you saying. You look at the scouting. You look at the media. You look yes. at a lot of things. Yes. Groupthink infects a lot of different professions. And what Jimmy Johnson does and did successfully for so many years, and that's why he's in both all those halls of fame that he referenced. <laughs> It's because he did it his way, and he yeah, did it the way that it worked right. for him. And so, but but Molly, we see remnants of that thinking in every decision that's made on a roster. We saw it in free agency. Let's look at the the uh, big signing yesterday by Ryan Poles, Tremaine Edmonds, Fitz, Fitz, Matt Eberflus's scheme in his mind, his prototypical weak side linebacker in a way that Roquan Smith didn't. His guy, his mold, their way. So every team still does that to a degree. Jimmy Johnson just did it consistently and better than everybody else. Yeah, I, I mean, it's extraordinary how, uh, how well they built that thing and, and how good that Dallas team was. And, you know, good enough. So when Jerry, you know, fell out with, uh, with – or Jimmy fell out with Jerry, Jerry then hired uh, Jimmy's, like, rival – and they won a Super Bowl with Jimmy's team with a guy that couldn't coach his way out of a paper bag. Barry was, Switzer, proxy coach. I mean, what the hell was that? Yeah. That was so weird. I told you I was in his, his hotel room <laughs> the night before uh, with about half a million people. See, you know, that would have to be a chapter in your Bowl. memoir. That would be. My yeah. night with Barry Switzer. Yeah, I wasn't alone. Yeah, it wasn't <laughs> well, I know. Us. I'm not saying yeah. that. <laughs> Thanks, though, for turning it into something ugly. <laughs> Jesus, David. I'm a happily married man with three children. <laughs> Don't start that nonsense. What was the name of his uh, biography, by the way? Was it Bootlegger's I, Boy? Listen. Remember he, Barry I mean, Switzer? He had a rough one, man. Yes, he did. Barry went through some dark times. There's no doubt about it. But uh, but that, I mean, think about it. Like, that that's pretty extraordinary to build a team that wins a couple Super Bowls and they can still win even when you leave. Because you built it so well. What's remarkable too, Molly, is that in all seriousness, when you talk about when he invented this value chart and the fact that it was 30 years ago and how the game has evolved and changed so dramatically since then, and yet, as he referenced, there are still teams that we know of. There are still executives that point to this value chart when evaluating yeah. whether or not to make a deal, what a deal is worth. There's somebody that would have gone to – uh, last Friday night, probably trying to figure out what did Ryan Poles get and was it that worth was, it and could he have uh, gotten more? I did that. I told you. That was one of the first things I did as I was evaluating it. Um, again, I think the, the key to the deal is not just the uh, not just the, the fact that the wide receiver is included but the cost certainty of that player. And I think that when you see teams go out and get a quarterback, a receiver – as he enters his third year, what the Bears managed to do was do it on a budget. They did it at a point where they weren't 
also having to pay the guy $120 million. Affordable cost certainty. That's right. Because if it right. was exorbitant, they wouldn't have made the deal because of what we're seeing in free agency is that I think Ryan Poles is a very responsible spender. Yeah. Doesn't want to overspend and maybe to the point where he's not going to take that risk. It worries me a little bit. I understand that. And I think that after yesterday, it's, it's totally understood. They didn't spend any money last year, right? They didn't spend any money. Remember we talked about it. Um, they, they they tried to sign a three technique and they were willing to pay him and he couldn't pass the physical. Right. And that was the only real big money kind of payout that they were willing to give. And and so that that made me a little bit nervous about it. I was worried. And, and I think George came out and really complimented him that it was, a, you know, it was amazing to watch how he. He set a price and he stayed with it and he never went over it. Is that a good and, thing? Well, that's when what your I was frugal saying, like, owner don't you is need complimenting to, your exactly, frugalness. Exactly. Don't, don't you need to spend uh, like up to the limit of it? By the way, you mentioned Larry Ogunjobi. Yes. Isn't he still out there? I, I Isn't don't know. he a free agent? I, I, I believe he is, but I don't know what his health situation is. Do you think is. he would pick up if he sees Ryan Poles is calling? Maybe. Uh, just to say something mean. Yeah, exactly. No. I, I mean, would he hang up? Would he pick up? In order to say, you know, you know, oh, hey, I, I just wanted you to know. I don't need an auto warranty. I'm going, yeah, exactly. There you go. That's nice. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I mean, that's an interesting idea. Would you be uh, Would you be pushing that idea? Is that what you're saying? If, if I'm the Bears and I have so little up front yeah. on my defensive front yeah. and the guy that I fell in love with a year ago is available. Is available, and maybe the concerns that we had aren't as great and the price isn't as high. I'd explore it. I'd explore everything at this point because yes. my defensive front is so weak and the holes are so glaring. One man's trash is another man's treasure. That is the reality. It's poetic. That is our, that's the world we live in. By the way, ESPN reporting that the Jets are negotiating with Alan Lazard as a oh, means to – Maybe, where maybe. Did, where did he play? Lure. Hey, hold on. Aaron Rodgers. Don't mention his name. He doesn't want any attention until he's made his decision. Okay. How about like, how about how the Packers clearly don't want him back? Isn't that pretty? I, I love that that Mark Murphy was oh, at a uh, yeah. girls basketball game over the weekend and, and basically announced about, the end of the Aaron Rodgers he era. Just was like, yeah, that that clown can go somewhere Oh, by the else. way, I'm in line for popcorn. What did you say about number 12? Who's oh, that? Oh, no, we're moving Him again? on. We're moving on. But he did basically said we're moving on. He no, did. No, he said, oh, well, you know, Jordan Love has been waiting. And I mean, I, I don't know. There's no return for Aaron Rodgers, right? So it's either go to the, the J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 or retire. Or I suppose you could just show up and say, hey, I got a contract here. Hold up that piece of paper, he, and they'd all be. He's late. backed himself into a corner, yeah, or a cave. And I think now you have to wonder what his next move would be if the Jets can't work something out. But I think the assumption is by everybody, including leading the way, is Trey Wingo. They're going to get this done. Well, here's hoping. I mean, it would be nice to see that happen, but uh, no promises. All right, we're going to bring in Mike Florio. We're going to talk to uh, to Mr. Pro Football Talk. We'll do that next. We'll ask him. What he anticipates happening with one Aaron Rodgers. Shh, don't mention his name. It's Mully and Haw on the score. Don't make a decision soon enough. Mike Florio, ProFootballTalk.com, NBC Sports, Twitter.com slash ProFootballTalk. Day by day, day by day, we get better and better. We can't be beat. 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 We can
NFL insider Mike Florio with Mully and Haw on 670 The Score. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We love our opportunity to talk to Mike Florio, and he joins us now on the Score Hotline, brought to you by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sportsbook. Michael, good morning. How are you? Doing great, guys. How are you? Well, I got to tell you, it was hilarious to watch free agency, the the chaos of it, which always included, you know, kind of these breathless waits for Aaron Rodgers update. And then the, uh, well, there's nothing really new. It, it just was kind of extraordinary how that story dominated without actually happening. Well, and here's a reason why. Rodgers thinks that, his deadline is 4 p.m. Eastern tomorrow when the new league year begins. I think it's a practical matter. His deadline has come and gone. People need to know what he's going to do. The Jets need to know if they're going to have him. They've already missed on Derek Carr and, more recently, Jimmy Garoppolo. So what are they going to do if they don't get Aaron Rodgers? The Packers need to figure out his cap situation once the league year begins, but they also have other plans they'd like to make. And he's kind of holding two teams hostage right now as – this thing continues to percolate. It did hit yesterday, and Trey Wingo was the first one to say that the deal was done. I heard that it was close to done, but it's not done, that Rodgers has come to terms with being traded to the Jets, and he was actively involved in recruiting Packers players who are available to come to New York, but that it's still not done. And I do think that at a certain level, Aaron Rodgers loves being able to control the narrative, to think that he can keep things away from the people who cover the NFL for a living. He's said things recently about how people like Ian Rappaport and Adam Schefter don't know anything about me with an, ex- an expletive or two sprinkled in there. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if he makes a, an appearance on Pat McAfee's show today and announces what he's planning to do. And because Mark Murphy essentially said goodbye over the weekend <laughs> and Ellen Lazard is negotiating with the Jets reportedly. So it seems like everything is in place. It's just a matter of when, not if, but you're right, Mike, as we wait, other decisions have been made. Now, if it's, it's the Jets or nothing, it's the Jets or retire. That's right. And for the Jets, it's Aaron Rodgers or what? What do you do? Who do you sign? Who do you trade for? Do you go get Lamar Jackson? Do you try to trade for Matthew Stafford? What do you do if you don't get Aaron Rodgers? So the the question of leverage to the extent that they're trying to finalize a deal here, and someone told me late last night that the ball's basically in the Packers' court right now. Mark Murphy has already come out and made it clear they want to move on. But I can't help but wonder whether or not they're concerned that they're not going to get enough for him and they're going to be criticized for that, and maybe they can squeeze the Jets because the Jets are desperate. But both sides are desperate here. The Packers want to move on. The Jets want Rodgers. And I understand that that good general managers and team executives are always very aggressive to get the best possible possible deal. At some point, you just got to do the deal. At some point, you just have to move on. And it, it feels like we're getting to that point. And, and the, the, the absolute deadline really is tomorrow because he's got a massive salary that can be converted to an option bonus and drop his cap number down to like $15 million once he goes to the Jets. But they have to get that thing done because the new league year and the new cap numbers all kick in tomorrow afternoon. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I just think that they have said repeatedly that they're not going to hold up the Jets. I'd love to see it blow up because they decided they want to squeeze a little more out of it. 
I just think they want him. I, I think that the Packers want this over with as much as Rodgers does and certainly as much as the Jets. And I can't help but wonder whether or not Rodgers has at least entertained the possibility of another team. Now, I don't know who that other team would be. The 49ers added Sam Darnold yesterday, or at least they have a deal that is worked out, and it becomes official tomorrow. Either side can back out of it between now and then. But is there some team that Rodgers wants to go to, Packers won't trade him to? And, you know, the nuclear option for him would be to go full Brett Favre and retire and then unretire unsuspectingly and force the Packers to deal with his giant cap number then. That would really give him a ton of leverage and help him get to wherever he wants to be. But uh, it does feel like Jets are retire for him, and it definitely feels like the Packers are ready to move on. And, uh, you know, at this point, it, it, it seems to be just a matter of working out final details and letting everybody move on with their lives so the rest of us can move on with our lives too. What are you hearing about Lamar Jackson? Any team step forward? Any teams talking about potentially giving up what is – necessary to get in a a trade conversation with the Ravens? Well, even though the window opened yesterday to talk to unrestricted free agents for franchise tag players, no conversations can happen until tomorrow at 4 p.m. Eastern when the league year begins. So that's when someone could try to make a move. Now, there are questions that arise from the fact that Lamar Jackson doesn't have an agent. There were issues back in 2018 before the draft getting in touch with him. There have been chronic issues for the Ravens trying to negotiate with him. I don't know if there's a team out there ready to make a move. I mentioned that the Jets would be a potential candidate if they don't get Aaron Rodgers and they have to come up with something to placate their fan base. One team that has fascinated me is the Commanders. It just fits. It makes too much sense. Daniel Snyder brings in a guy that makes the team a lot better objectively. How can you deny that Lamar Jackson would improve the team when Sam Howell is the current QB1? But it also would stick the next owner with the bulk of the bill, including the gigantic escrow payment that would be due next year if they sign him to a fully guaranteed five-year contract. And it's the ultimate middle finger to the league. If on his way out the door, Daniel Snyder agrees to terms with Lamar Jackson on exactly the kind of contract the league is trying to get teams not to give to players. Now, the wild card in all of this is what would Ravens owner Steve Bashotti do if it's Snyder who signs Lamar Jackson to the five-year fully guaranteed contract that Bashotti has refused to give to Jackson? I wouldn't be completely stunned if Bashotti matches it just because it's Snyder. If it's anybody else, he'd let him go. If it's Snyder, he very well may say, fine, I'll do the five-year fully guaranteed deal. Um, Mike, I'm curious, you know, we haven't talked to you since the bears traded the first overall pick. What did you think of that deal? The, uh, inclusion of DJ Moore was obviously the key to it. Do you like what they did? Were you surprised it was done as early as it was? Well, Ryan Poles had hinted at this with Peter King six days before the deal was done about the timing. Do you do it now? Do you do it before free agency? Do you do it when you're on the clock? And the risk you take is that potential candidates to trade up may address their quarterback needs elsewhere, and then they're no longer a candidate to trade up. I thought they'd maybe entertain the possibility of multiple trades down, flip with the Texans, go to four with the Colts, work your way down, and pick up more and more stuff along the way. But that's a tougher needle to thread. The Panthers decided to get aggressive. David Tepper's been desperate to get a franchise quarterback. Any truly great quarterback with options has said no thank you to the Panthers time and again. This is the way to 
to give the Panthers the chance to get the guy they want. The signs are pointing to C.J. Stroud. And now the Bears are in position. If three or four quarterbacks are drafted before they're on the clock, that just pushes guys down farther and closer to them since they aren't going to be taking the quarterback. And, and they're doing the smart thing here. See what happens with Justin Fields. Build around him. They're spending in free agency to make the team better. And, and there really are questions about where the NFC North is headed. Rodgers is out. Who knows what the Vikings are doing? Who knows if the Lions can sustain it? There's an opening there for the Bears to put something good together. Great stuff, Mike. Thanks. Mike, you're the best. Thank you. Thanks, guys. That is Mike Florio. Interesting all the way around there. He's huh? exactly right. The, the division is changing. The balance of power is shifting. The Vikings, who knows what to expect from them. The Packers, state of flux. The Lions, do you really trust their their ability to, to sustain success? Two number success? ones, two number twos. You know, you, you, you get excited about the Bears for draft picks next year. The Lions got two number ones and two number twos. Yeah, they, they're they just as excited in Detroit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because of their draft up. capital. You talk about yep. draft capital, they're loaded. They're loaded more so than any team in the division. Yep. 312-644-6767. It's Mully and Haw on the score.